Hello everyone, and welcome to The Good Lawyer Show. I'm your host, Matt Scrivens, and alongside me is Good Lawyer CEO and co-founder, Brett Colvin. On the show today, we have Kayla Isabel, who is the Executive Director for Startup Canada. Startup Canada, as the name suggests, is an organization dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and startups, just like Good Lawyer, succeed. And it represents more than 250,000 entrepreneurs and 50 grassroots communities in Canada. We chatted with Kayla about the state of the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Canada and got her take on how COVID is affecting everything from the startup's ability to raise capital to attracting talent. We also discussed basic legal needs many entrepreneurs encounter when they launch their startup and hear how Kayla got her start in the entrepreneurial space in Tanzania of all places, helping small business owners working in the tourism industry. We greatly enjoyed having Kayla on the show, and as you will hear, she is an incredibly articulate and passionate champion for Canadian entrepreneurs. Without further ado, we bring to you our conversation with Kayla Isabel. Kayla, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I am doing well. How are you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. It's Monday morning, so things are uh, always a little bit hectic, it seems, to start the week. But uh, I hear the that. sun is shining in Calgary, so I, it's tough to complain at the moment. So, uh, Kayla, why don't you just, uh, why don't we start off by just giving us a bit of an introduction about yourself. You're obviously uh, involved with Startup Canada. Maybe just tell us the story of how you got there and just how your first couple months on the job have been. Yeah, you bet. Uh, so hi, everyone. I'm Kayla Isabel, and I'm the executive director here at Startup Canada. Um, so really, my career started uh, in communications, actually. So I um, was a communication strategist, particularly working at the intersection of strategic communications and change management. So working with entrepreneurs, working with government, working with associations. Um, but I was really looking to make a bigger difference within the entrepreneurship community. Um, so at the beginning of 2019, I made the move to Tanzania, actually. And was, I was working in the entrepreneurship ecosystem in East Africa um, yeah. and working with small business owners and entrepreneurs who were working in the tourism industry. Um, so arguably, probably the coolest tourism industry. <laughs> I think I'm biased at this point talking about safaris, you know, bringing people um, <laughs> to this incredible different type of ecosystem, um, but really equipping entrepreneurs in that space with resources in terms of building their businesses, particularly from a comms perspective, because it was such a saturated market. Um, so really helping entrepreneurs uh, build their businesses, um, try to identify different types of revenue streams from international markets, um, and building their ability to, you know, bring in their own revenue, uh, particularly with women in, in that space. It was a pretty powerful shift seeing, seeing how we could equip, um, you know, marginalized communities through entrepreneurship. So mm -hmm. that really got me, you know, so excited about working in entrepreneurship. And really, um, after my travels in Tanzania, I took a few months and traveled the world, came back to Ottawa, uh, and was connected directly with Victoria Lennox, Startup Canada's co-founder, uh, and joined the team a week after. So it was definitely a very quick transition into joining the team. Um, and then, uh, you know, worked with Victoria to really transition the organization from our co-founders as, as they went and and started new chapters in their life um, and actually took over the organization one week before COVID hit. So on March first, <laughs> uh, I took over the organization and we had this great uh, big event launching our women entrepreneurship program. And, you know, we were meeting with Justin Trudeau, shaking his hand on March 11th, probably the last handshake that Justin Trudeau <laughs> will have in a long time. Um, and then, you know, the, the entire world uh, really 
uh, fell upside down. So um, it was very much a baptism by fire situation for me taking over leadership of Startup Canada. Uh, and it's been, you know, an incredible roller coaster ever since. Well, you seem like you have a, a positive attitude. So either you're faking it very well or, uh, you know, you're, you're handling this situation, which <laughs> must have been very challenging. You know, it's interesting, yeah. actually. Uh, I myself relatively recently got back from Tanzania and get um, out. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's incredible. And I actually may have to pick your brain off uh, off the podcast here because we've actually helped uh, one of our guides get more certification and then he's trying to start up his own travel company Wow! and but navigating obviously the regulations in tanzania mm -hmm. as i'm sure you know is easier said than done but that sounded like quite the experience and, uh, and what did you mean just curious what do you mean by it was a saturated market mm. So I spent uh, the first two quarters of 2019 in, in Tanzania. So really working um, in what I call a saturated market in that there are so many, um, you know, tourism operators right. in, in the space because you have the Serengeti, you have Ngorogoro Conservation Area Authority, mm -hmm. you have so many physical spaces that attract um, audiences internationally, um, particularly from the States and, and from uh, Europe. Um, and everybody was trying to carve out a piece of that, that tourism market. So how right. could you be a... Um, tour guide? How could you be bringing people internationally who have a lot of money um, also coming to, to fairly impoverished spaces within Tanzania? So from a saturated perspective, and you see it, you know, when you're on safari, you see so many different tourism operators with their cars yeah. kind of coming around. And from an environmental perspective, that was definitely a challenge for me that you want to encourage people to be using, um, you know, the opportunities within their countries, but also not the expense at, at the expense of the wildlife and of the, right. the beautiful nature. And, mm. and from a conservation perspective, that was challenging. So how can you communicate and differentiate your business by being more environmentally friendly? Those types of differentiating factors is what I would work with businesses on um, so that they were sort of piercing through the noise of everybody saying, hey, come to Tanzania and, and let me show you around. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're doing it sustainably and that's attractive. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And featuring women. It was a very powerful totally. move to see so many um, tourism operators who were small businesses managed and owned by women, which is not, um, you know, as conventional in, in Tanzania. And there's definitely been movements in that direction, but that was also a powerful differentiator in terms of women owned businesses. And we so see that in Canada too. Amazing. Uh, it's really cool. So fun. And we're, we're obviously here to talk about Startup Canada. Yeah. But last question. Did you, did you get to climb Kilimanjaro? I didn't. It's on oh. my, my list. I know. I spent a lot of time in Gorgor Conservation Area That's Authority cool. with the rhinos. I had to either prioritize seeing the endangered rhinos or climbing Kili. So Kili, I, I will definitely be able to do um, at another time. And it's a good socially distance activity. Uh, well, actually, it's not. You would not believe oh, really? how many people are on that mountain. Yeah, it's, oh, there a, you it's go. an absolute pack trail the whole way up but it's funny we did go to Angoro Goro too and the only thing I missed is the rhino so there you go you're right the on hardest the thing to spot <laughs> that's is, why you yeah. need the inside scoop I got that's safari right. tour guides to, to bring me to the the safe spaces so that's that's the insider <laughs> that's perspective. amazing Be one of the <laughs> so, most beautiful places I've ever seen yeah I, I'm, go I'm ahead, with Brett. you on that did did that experience in Tanzania was that uh did that play into the women in entrepreneurship that you brought to Startup Canada or was that sort of a passion that has you know ridden through the whole time or, or yeah. you know, how do you I, make that next step? 
I think it's really looking at entrepreneurship as this really powerful enabler for independence. Um, and that is in a Canadian context and internationally, that entrepreneurship can solve so many challenges that we see um, and the, the unique power that that gives, even emotionally, when you're taking over your own business and you have that authority and responsibility and accountability, and you have these, these enabling factors that support that entrepreneurship journey. Um, you know, I saw that in Tanzania with very small micro moments, but in a Canadian context, there's so so much support that, that entrepreneurs have. How can we explain that to people, that it's not as daunting um, as it could be in other countries? We should be incredibly grateful for the supports in place. Um, but really seeing, particularly with marginalized women and the work that we're doing with Startup Canada, um, that it can be a really powerful um, confidence boost when, when women take over businesses themselves and, and you, using that to you know, build families and have more flexible work structures. And there's all mm -hmm. these other benefits. Um, so I think that definitely sparked my interest in supporting particularly women, um, but bootstrapping. I think just the, mm -hmm. the idea that you can do so much with so little and seeing that in action where you might not have power and you're trying to build a business. How do you actually get that up and running? Uh, and then seeing in, in Canada, that's that similar type of bootstrapping mentality that, you know, I might be limited in cash, limited in experience, or but I have this incredible why. Um, tapping into that and really encouraging that entrepreneurial spirit um, totally lights me up. And, and I get to do that every day at Startup Canada. Yeah, that's, uh, that's incredible. So, and I think you've touched on it a bit there, but what is Startup Canada's mission and how do they go about supporting entrepreneurs in general? Then obviously it sounds like specifically they have certain programs that they're really trying to target at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you bet. So, so Startup Canada is really Canada's entrepreneurship organization. So trying to foster um, this, this mindset of entrepreneurship coast to coast to coast and support entrepreneurs uh, to start up and scale up their businesses. So in particular this year, we've been looking at women entrepreneurs entrepreneurs and marginalized communities, trying to equip them with mentors, with resources, with support, and really solidifying that foundation of their businesses so that they can thrive. Uh, we're also working in social impact. So how do you um, do well and do good in alignment with the sustainable development goals? And we're seeing that be more important than ever post-COVID now that people aren't necessarily focusing as heavily on something like climate change at the moment. We need right. to um, ensure that that still gets um, the attention that it deserves in how we build our businesses um, and then going global. So setting up startups and scale-ups with a global mindset, encouraging them not just to look at the local level and uh, provincial or you know uh, Canada for that matter, how do we really put Canada on the global stage as being a competitive, um, really uh, abundant nation that can um, you know provide opportunities that other countries might not be able to. Um, so really that global mindset, having that from day one, and we do that through our Canadian Export Challenge Program, which is coming up in the fall digitally for the first time. Oh, Very excellent. cool. And that's definitely something that I've heard, um, you know, at various accelerators we've been part of or, or just talks, but that um, Canadians can be awfully modest sometimes, mm -hmm. including with their ambitions mm -hmm. and, you know, really pushing um, entrepreneurs in this country to think bigger mm -hmm. and, you know, look at the global market, you know, not least of which looking down south and figuring out how mm -hmm. to penetrate, you know, the biggest market in the world. Mm hmm. 
And you can do that by keeping your business in Canada. I think it's sort of shifting how we think about the global market. Not that, okay, I'm a Canadian entrepreneur and I want to go to Silicon Valley, but how can I build a Canadian business and export internationally or tap into other markets or have representatives in other international spaces so that you are still keeping, um, you know, that business at home uh, because there, there is scalable potential as opposed to picking up your business and, and trying to operate it out of a completely different country. And then we lose that talent. Right. And I, that obviously has been an issue in the past. Mm-hmm. And it's great to hear that there, you know, that there's organizations like yourself that are really trying to develop the ecosystem here and keep some of that talent at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're doing our part in the sense that I don't think there's a whole lot of false modesty coming out of, <laughs> yeah. coming out of our organization. And I mean that in a good way, in the sense that, you know, uh, we're, we're pretty excited about what we're doing and we're really excited about our team too. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, Brett, does a great job as CEO uh, of really pointing that out to people that who we have on the team, how it's growing, the talent, the talented people and, and, and everything that's going on here. And I think the more of that that we can get in Canada, uh, you know, obviously, the, the more this can grow. So it's excellent to hear that there's an organization uh, out there really supporting that as well. You bet. I just wanted to jump in on one more question there too. Um, you know, from your perspective, Kayla, where, when does a, I mean, thinking about what is a startup that is a little more straightforward, I think, but when do you see the company moving from that startup to that scale up mentality? It's so interesting that you bring that up because that, that's actually something that we're struggling with a little bit with our Canadian export challenge that um, this year we are segmenting our entire pitch competition by startups and scale-ups. So conventionally, you know, you might be looking at revenues being that one sort of large indicator of whether or not you're a startup or scale-up, but COVID has obviously put a, a massive shift in how we mm-hmm. perceive scale-ups. Um, so I think it, it's something that I'm actually working on a working group with a, a group called Allied for Startups Internationally um, that we lack a consistent definition of both startups and scale-ups at the national level and internationally and how we advocate to governments, how we advocate to different partners. Um, And COVID has made that even more complicated at the moment. So I don't actually have a straightforward answer for you, uh, but that is in development uh, to try to also, you know, it's it's not really a a start and end that, you know, I, I, raise one more dollar and, and then I become right. automatically a scale up. Um, it's a bit more, there are more variables at play. Um, but I think that will also help entrepreneurs understand their trajectories if they can see the potential of their businesses, either respective to industry or the types of business models that they have from startup to scale up. And so you've touched on it a bit there, but I, I did want to ask you about uh, the landscape in Canada right now, uh, as far as if you are scaling up or even starting up, obviously raising money is a big part of that. And I just want to get your take on, uh, you know, what is the landscape right now? Have you seen it shift, obviously, since your, uh, uh, your start not that long ago? But then, as you mentioned before, it was sort of like you started and then the world fell off a cliff. Uh, is it a tough time to raise money in Canada right now? Or how is that, uh, how is that playing out with COVID? Yeah, I think it, it really depends on the industry. I think, um, you know, from, from VC funding from Q1 to Q2, I think we saw a 10 to 15% drop in, in funding. Um, but that was outside of COVID-19 specific opportunities. So I think we have actually seen this really unique bump in private public partnerships um, in that getting, uh, you know, funding directly uh, with entrepreneurs or organizations that are supporting the, the efforts around COVID-19. We've seen that move uh, fairly quickly 
quickly compared to how we've seen other uh, government funding opportunities move in the past. Um, and, and, you know, I think there are a handful of, of examples of, of business that are actually thriving, uh, you know, under right. COVID-19 and those actually continue to grow. Uh, but even out, out West uh, uh, in your neck of the woods in Alberta that you had, you know, one of the largest series B rounds <laughs> ever, or I think in recent history, um, it was what over, over 70 million, I think that was raised in uh, at the beginning of May. So we are right. seeing these booms in tech innovation, particularly health innovation um, and raising money there. I think there's a lot of potential. Um, I think from the angel investing community, the Canadian perspective uh, or perception of angel investing is that it's a bit more conservative than we do see by from our Southern partners. Um, that I think remains, but um, you know, from angel investors that are in our community, we're still seeing investments made across the board. It's just the types of businesses that people are more willing to um, invest in that landscape is changing. Um, so if you can identify a way to pivot your business to solve a COVID-19 related challenge or really understanding the why of your business and how it connects to the future landscape of Canadian entrepreneurship and the types of businesses we need, um, there's, there's plenty of investment opportunities coming down the pipe. Right. The other, you know, really positive impact I've seen, or at least I think I've seen in the last, you know, four or five years is some of these home runs, you know, whether it's a Shopify, mm -hmm. Skip the Dishes, a Clio, um, some of these really big, you know, getting close or over, you know, like the unicorns really, mm -hmm. um, over that billion dollar valuation. Um, do you see those big home runs as having a major impact on specifically the angels and their appetite? That they're hoping that they find themselves a unicorn? Yeah, the fact that, yeah. you know, up until, you know, I'd say the last year, like I said, five or six years, um, we haven't really seen a lot of unicorns coming out of yeah. Canada, but we have now. Yeah. And so, you know, now there are some angels and some VCs in Canada that have mm -hmm. hit these home runs from close to home. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on on the impact of those of those big companies yeah. on, you know, the trickle down to the startups, you know, like Good Lawyer and, and many other startups and scale ups at that early stage. I think a lot of the angel investing, a lot of members of the angel investing community are definitely looking for those um, recession specific unicorns that we saw that out of the 2008 recession, um, that there were huge booms and incredible innovations and, and, and unicorns really blossoming out of that financial situation. Um, I think initially what we saw with COVID was hesitation from the angel investing community. And there was a, there was a pretty massive movement and call to action to try to either incentivize more angel investing or, um, you know, finding either government matching programs or really trying to build that in because I think there was some initial hesitation. Mm -hmm. um, but now for sure, I'd say, depending on the type of investor you're looking at, um, they're looking for the next, um, you know, post post COVID brilliant <laughs> sort of unicorn innovation <laughs> for sure. But I think that just comes with, with, you're always looking for that as an angel investor, you want to be, you know, betting on the fastest horse. Mm -hmm. um, but there, there's always, you know, a number of different variables that come into play. Uh, but seeing entrepreneurs who have demonstrated incredible resilience during COVID that, you know, angels look for people, like they're really looking for that person and that champion of the business. Mm -hmm. um, and so however you can differentiate your person in addition to your why and your idea, um, that I think is going to be really interesting to see how people um, make those more personal connections. Um, but I've, I've interviewed a few angel investors actually on, on the Thrive podcast for women entrepreneurs that I'm the host of. Um, and 
in speaking to those groups, there, there wasn't a huge shift, I'd say, at the moment of, of feeling optimistic or more optimistic that they would be able to invest in these, these more unicorn companies at the moment. Um, mm. But there's always that, that hope, I think, embedded into you know, making those types of investments. Yeah, that's really good to hear, actually. Um, but so then if, if a business comes to you and said, or I guess this even more generally, what can businesses do to uh, really make sure that they are not only surviving, but thriving during the time of COVID as far as raising money or in other capacities as well? Is there any um, you know, recommendations that you would say, look, here, here's again, here's kind of the landscape. Here's how you can go out and, and make the best of this situation. Mm. I think what, what COVID has really illustrated is that if you had a shakier foundation, you have been even more destabilized. So we're seeing businesses that, um, you know, potentially didn't have their, their houses in order, I guess you could say from a process right. perspective, or just incorporating or, you know, just these basic foundational business elements um, that have either compromised their ability to get government relief that we've seen actually a huge gap that, um, you know, if you don't have a business number, you're not going to be able to qualify for a wage subsidy or something along those right. lines. So looking super, super foundationally, um, use this time to clean up your own house, take uh, you know, take stock of what's working well, what's not, what gaps you have. Um, look at your staff if you have any, um, and really try to, to stabilize the, the the parts of your business that you do actually have control over. Um, I'd say also linking your why and your the actual business need and the product market fit for your business in a post-COVID world is so essential. That if you're you're working from an outdated worldview and still trying to put a square peg in a round hole over the next <laughs> year or two, um, you know, that's really going to be problematic for your, your business, your business's sustainability. Um, so I, the word pivot, you know, I feel like is plastered on my forehead every single day, <laughs> um, but pivoting really intentionally, not just to get through COVID, but preparing yourself for our new worldview and, and how we, um, you know, engage and really finding new market opportunities within that space. Because uh, what I found super interesting is, is obviously we're seeing a lot of businesses really struggle, uh, but we're seeing so much market potential uh, for new types of businesses that are erupting and for new ideas and people that either are, are entering entrepreneurship out of necessity uh, because they've lost their jobs um, right. or they're identifying little side hustles that could potentially turn into these future unicorns. Who knows? Um, so the land Landscape is in a the, the full entrepreneurship landscape is in a really interesting moment of shift. Um, and from Startup Canada's perspective, we want to be that organization, and we will be that organization that provides that foundation and that sort of soft cushion when uh, you know Joe Q Public is like, hey, you know, entrepreneurship sounds like an interesting potential path. Uh, you know, my traditional job might not be available anymore. What are my options? Like, we've got you. Like, we can you know really set you up based on the type of business idea you have, your passion, um, and and prepare you for this. COVID-19, post-COVID-19 sort of world. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting sort of shift in, in mindset, um, but really exciting. You know, I don't think there's a more exciting industry or, or sort of space to be in than entrepreneurship right now. Right. Totally. And, and, you know, I think a lot of the, a lot of the trends had been already going in, in the direction mm -hmm. then exactly. COVID just accelerated it so quickly. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, to your point, the social, good piece of entrepreneurship is is a really important piece now like it, it has never been before mm -hmm. and it's an important piece to to investors and i think mm -hmm. uh blackrock's the big one out of the, like the big big one out of the states and like it's now in their you know memorandum to their investors is like we're going to be investing in social good companies because mm -hmm. that's the direction 
that, you know, the world's going. Um, the one other thing I just wanted to mention for any entrepreneurs listening, personally, I couldn't recommend more so like the side hustle, starting your business as the side hustle, mm. not over, you know, putting on, if you, if you're out of a job, then you know, right. No better time than the present to, to really go after something. Um, but if you, even if you do have a job, really getting the, the framework of what this business is going to be on the side of your desk really takes a lot of the pressure off and gives you more opportunity to kind of test things and really think things through uh, before making the plunge. And then my last qu my question for you was um, of those gaps that you're seeing with entrepreneurs and getting their house in order and all of that. Do you see that legal is a, is a big issue for you companies? Betcha. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I think it's, it partially comes from um, just the the psychological barrier that you feel that you know going down this legal path and and you know seeking advice or that it's one going to cost you a fortune that you know you're you're potentially investing money you don't have already in getting that house in order um, but just it almost feels from from entrepreneurs that I've spoken to like it's a different language um, that you know it's it's already this very Herculean challenge to build a business but the legal side of things um, there's that perception that it's you know well, I'm, I can't be a legal expert or I, I don't even know where to look or I don't even know what questions to ask. Um, so I think, you know, your roles in, in really demystifying this process and making it more accessible, um, that is, is huge, huge, huge. Uh, because in, in moments like this, you know, you see in how people have developed their contracts or you see in, um, you know, employment arrangements as well. Or, you know, there's just so many different parts of building your business that could use uh, an obvious legal sanity check or, or oh. more active participant. Um, and in moments like COVID, not that anybody could have predicted a global pandemic, but, um, you know, you really see those, those cracks, um, and that, uh, that barrier to entry, um, if you're not willing to, to sort of speak up and, and find those types of resources could, you know, make or break your business. Totally. Yeah. I mean, Bill, Bill did, Bill Gates did predict it about four years ago. Oh, but, true. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. So did the Simpsons or whatever. Yeah. You know, we we kind of knew it was coming, yes. but it was just like, you know, we didn't know what. No, no, uh, no, but you're exactly right. I, I'm in the midst of reorganizing a company right now as far as their legal issues and they essentially left them. And this is the kind of standard brick and mortar company, but mm -hmm. regardless, they kind of left their legal issues off to the side for about a decade. And mm -hmm. I will tell you, it's a lot cheaper and a lot easier if you just stay on top of it. But mm -hmm. I, I think your your point is very well made that it's it's almost like this other thing. Hey, mm -hmm. I'm building this business. And then there's this legal stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I do think that that is intimidating oftentimes for entrepreneurs, because obviously they're learning so much with just trying to figure out how to make their business go. Then there's this, this opaque legal Mm -hmm. sidecar to their business, you know, uh, but, and again, this is one of the problems that good lawyer is trying to solve, mm -hmm. but it isn't quite as complicated as you, as people may think as well, mm -hmm. that it is worth that uh, bit of investment at the beginning to um, uh, make sure you're doing it right. But I mean, Matt, we, we work together at a big shop and I, and I can totally get, you know, where the entrepreneurs come from because law really 100%. does seem like this luxury item. That's out of reach for, for most people. Um, and to your point, Kayla, contracts, like yeah. entrepreneurs need to know what they're signing mm -hmm. and they need yeah. to sign things to make sure that the, you know, when they're going to go look for investment later, that's one of the biggest roadblocks to getting investment. If you have, you know, if you have some traction and you're cruising is, 
you know, the investors come in and they're like, whoa, what the hell is this? Like, you know, who owns the company? I can't even tell. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, trying that that's really the focus of Good Lawyer is trying to bring that accessibility. And it's not it's not free legal help. It's not pro bono, mm-hmm. but it's affordable and it's accessible and accessible. Yeah. And that's the key. And I think it, it's going to be really interesting to see entrepreneurship or, you know, it just in conventional industries as well, how we perceive risk and how we as a collective are going to try to get ahead of potential risks. Uh, and I think the legal community is going to see a shift in that, that, you know, nobody thought that, or I mean, outside of Bill Gates, but <laughs> sort of, they might've thought, oh, you know, if I ran into legal challenges, I would rather just sort of nip it in the bud when it comes up, as opposed to preparing for that moment. We're seeing right. that with, with so many other parts of businesses that people were almost more willing to deal with it if it became a problem, but not trying to prepare themselves from the get-go. So I think that whole mindset about sort of um, sustaining and and stabilizing your business, even as things do come up, that mindset is going to shift. I know for me personally, it definitely has to be not, not risk averse, but risk prepared. (laughs) I really like, I like that. that. I like that a lot. That's great. And the kicker with law is, you know, I think a lot of people view it as this insurance policy, which it Mm -hmm. certainly is a lot of the time, but it can also be this big value add. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you, if you have a good lawyer that understands business, which, you know, Many do, many do not, but many do. The logical third party unbiased view from a professional, it can be a huge value add to a business beyond just, you know, getting the paper right. Mm, Absolutely. I have another question. What is an entrepreneur to you? And have you ever been one uh, as well? I was kind of curious about that. Yeah. So I, I have actually not been, I mean, I guess I've been an entrepreneur. <laughs> That's funny. I should think of that before saying it. So I, I, I have started, um, I started actually a small jewelry making business um, when okay. I was uh, going to Tanzania to do some fundraising. Um, I think to me, entrepreneurial bones have been so core to me as, as a, as a person that, you know, I come from an entire family of entrepreneurs, um, you know, coming from, you know, and being in second grade, building my first babysitting business and, you know, (laughs) building my own little CRM of of people in the neighborhood. I love it. I definitely, I have more entrepreneurial bones, but I think my passion really comes from supporting entrepreneurs than it comes from building a business myself. Um, Mm. and, and that's a differentiator that I think is also very important that, um, you know, we see with, with Startup Canada staff often that they get so inspired by entrepreneurship that they want to go and start their own business, uh, which is beautiful. And that's, that's the, the point of it all, really, to really inspire that. But for me, I think that I can make more of an impact supporting entrepreneurs and sort of supporting those different waves of groups that then, as byproducts, support additional waves of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, but entrepreneurship, to me, I think is it's a mindset. You know, we, we hear this language about being intrapreneurial and, and having this, this ability to identify problems and come up with solutions as really the core foundation. Um, but being able to scale that into a either purpose-driven or profitable or both, um, you know, based business, um, and really just being able to take an idea and actually operationalize it into the next move, all of the different moving parts and being able to do that successfully is entrepreneurship to me. Um, but it's really, I think, a core drive and a, a raison d'être that is is so unique that you have this this almost like kinetic energy that just ke- keeps you going that not everybody has. Um, so I think it's it is very much a core mindset, and and to me, um, my entrepreneurial bones sort of apply in every part of my life that I, I pursue every venture that I go into with this entrepreneurial spirit. 
I know That's exactly what you, I know exactly what you mean. It's yeah. definitely in my bones since I had my brother scouring for golf balls and I was selling them when I was four years old. <laughs> <laughs> and I think and, and I think it's a great point that you made that it takes all types. It's not just the founders that you need to make an entrepreneurial endeavor go. It's yeah. there's so much support. There's so many different roles that are required. And having been a part of Good Lawyers really taught me that. And so I thought that was a really excellent point you made. Well, and it's it's beautiful that there's there's not like one type to your point, Matt, of entrepreneur, you know, entrepreneurs come in all sort of shapes and sizes. But, you know, I think that desire that you mentioned, Kayla, to have some impact, some positive impact. And, you know, it's, it's almost like an explorer mentality. Yeah. Um, so Kayla, uh, I know that you are extraordinarily busy and we greatly appreciate you taking the time. We have one final question that we'd like to ask all of our guests. And mm-hmm. that is just simply, uh, has, has there been any helpful resources along your journey that you that have meant a lot to you or that have given you a lot of value that you think would help others along their path. And please feel free to mention your own podcast and those. uh, That sounds like a great resource that we'll definitely (laughs) throw in the show notes. There you go. Um, Yeah. So I, I, that, that actually segues and not to be too self-promotional, but um, you know, I, I host the thrive podcast for women entrepreneurs. Um, And what I love about that podcast is we have women entrepreneur support organizations. We have women that have pivoted during COVID, Um, um, sort of more intrapreneurial speakers, um, definitely a whole assortment of, of various women in, in leadership positions who've spoken to how they've handled, um, you know, the, this extreme pressure. And I always find that the lessons that I need to learn in my own life, I hear through these interviews. And, and it's almost like the, the conversation goes where my energy needs to flow. <laughs> so it's it's been a really helpful tool for me to almost walk or put myself in somebody else's shoes so that I'm not stuck in my context and my challenges and my hurdles that I'm trying to sort of get through. Um, and then to that, we, we are our, our former Thrive podcast host. Her name is Colm Minhas. Um, and she actually has a new podcast called Lessons Learned, um, which is sort of a riff off of the Thrive podcast for women entrepreneurs, but she's taken it on as her own entrepreneurial venue. venue. Um, and that podcast has really helped in just being very candid with yourself about you know, what is working well in your life during COVID beyond your business? How are you sustaining yourself? How are you feeding yourself professionally and personally and, and being incredibly aware of your energy, um, that it has been such a draining time. And for me taking over the business, you know, on March 1st, uh, I had no real honeymoon period or moment of stabilization. It's been hard for me to take a moment to, to sort of pause and say, whoa, like, we've made it through some really, really hard times and giving myself, you know, that, that sort of pat on the back, uh, but also recognizing that this is really, really hard. <laughs> and, and, you know, we need to recognize that entrepreneurs are faced with, with such immense challenges and pressures. And although I might not be an entrepreneur building a business at the moment, I'm having to reorganize an entire business under this new context. And that takes a lot out. So yeah, just really all those conversations and, and leaning on people who are really honest about how how they're feeling at the moment. You know, some businesses are, are putting on a, a definitely a brave face and trying right. to sort of mask some, some potential foundational cracks. Um, but I've been really humbled by, by getting such um, honest and candid advice from entrepreneurs that, that are also struggling. I've been constantly amazed when I call entrepreneurs from anywhere in the world. We, I had a mentor from Germany, mm-hmm. talked to guys down in the States, and it's amazing to me if I get on the phone with them, you know, through a connection, they just give me an hour 
of their time, yeah. like yeah. without even blinking. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, coming from a corporate law world where we keep track of every six minutes, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah. it was really refreshing to, yeah. you know, wow, this guy's like super busy, but, or the, you know, this woman's super busy, but she's just giving me this time to, mm-hmm. to help. And, you know, without any sort of expectation of something in return. So mm-hmm. that's something that I've found super cool in the, in the entrepreneurial community generally. Agreed. And something you've done uh, with us today. So we, once again, we greatly appreciate yeah. your time. I, I wish we could talk for another two hours. Until- I know. Awesome. Well, well, thank you once again. Uh, we greatly appreciate you taking this time. And uh, yeah, uh, that was that was fantastic. That, that was a great, uh, great conversation. Great. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Brett. Always, yeah, this is a lot of fun. Awesome. Hopefully our paths will, will cross here uh, soon. When, when all Oh, yeah. I already, already got the names out. I'm going to call Amy and Yusra. And, <laughs> there you uh, go. <laughs> perfect. Awesome. awesome. Well, have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Bye, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Kayla. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Kayla for being on the show. If you liked what you heard today, please rate, download, and subscribe. Until next time, we hope you all have a great week.